Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Well, listeners, you know when you wake up from a really big night out with a grin that you had a great time plastered all across your face, and then it slowly, slowly dawns on you that you did something so terrible that you'll never live it down, and yes, everyone can see that tattoo of a huge anus now adorning your forehead. Well, welcome to Britain 2016, where an entire nation decided they'd prefer to ignore experts because, hey, they only know actual things, and instead they adorned their referendum ballots with votes for several irremovable arseholes, including Boris Johnson, Michael Gove and Nigel Farage. The UK underwhelmingly voted to leave the EU at 52% to 48% wanting to remain, and democracy has been served, albeit on a platter of fabricated rhetoric wrapped around empty promises, or as I like to call them, cheese strings. Moody's has cut the UK's credit rating to negative, and there's talks that it could drop from AAA to AA, which would be great if we were a fully charged battery, but instead the whole country feels somewhat drained. I'm Tiernan Duyeb and welcome to the first partly political broadcast of a post-EU UK. And yes, shit has hit all of the EU electricity regulated fans with the force of blonde monster Boris Johnson rugby tackling a small Japanese boy. I can almost hear the sound of Tim Peake just clambering back into the Sawyer's craft wishing he'd stayed in space for just a teeny little bit longer. You almost feel like maybe Bowie, Prince Rickman and all the other amazing people that have passed away this year were simply saying so long and thanks for all the fish. David Cameron announced his resignation as Prime Minister only hours after the results were announced, which is, yes, amazing news, until it dawns on you, of course, that his replacement will either be Cruella Deville, a possessed vent doll, a lizard robot, or the offspring of a bag of piglets and Wurzel Gummidge. Yes, it seems all of those who voted to leave the EU due to its unelected bureaucrats will now have a shitty Prime Minister they've had no say in choosing. Well done, everyone. And essentially what David Cameron is really doing is realising that he made one hell of a mess and is checking out before the cleaners find it and are so horrified they have to set fire to the room. Cameron leaves behind him a legacy of warning people not to vote for Labour as they'll crash the economy before managing to drag it down to its very worst since the 80s all in about two months. I mean, you start to wonder if maybe his problem during the 2015 election was that Labour would take far too long to bring it about. 
It's going to be at least three months before a new Tory leader and Prime Minister is found, and that's mainly because it's how long it takes to incubate and then hatch them. Meanwhile, the Leave campaign have pretty much denounced that they haven't got a clue what they're doing, repeatedly saying there's no rush, because, you know, it's always nice to watch things burn slowly. Various Leave MPs have already backtracked on the many claims they made during their campaign, stating that of course they can't control immigration out of the EU either, and no, we probably can't give the £350 billion for the EU to the NHS. You know, not least because it didn't exist in the first place, and if it did, would probably now be used to bail out the banks. Although there is genuinely a very high chance that immigration will fall in the UK, but that is sadly because really no one wants to come to a badly recession-hit country full of xenophobes and a ton of British people are probably going to have to emigrate to find work. So hey, there's your balance. Well done everyone. Again, we've all seemed to have opted for the let's make this country so bad that even we won't want to live here option of fixing things. Boris Johnson and Michael Gove delivered their vote leave victory speeches with all the awkward embarrassment of someone who's furiously wanked themselves and only realised on coming that the neighbour's dog had been watching them the whole time. Boris seemed almost apologetic, making statements about how the Brexit will take the wind out of the sails of those who pay politics with immigration, uh, presumably because him and Gove played with it so hard that it's now had to have an early retirement before anyone else gets a chance. Boris promised young people that the UK will still be a united country and that they'll still be able to travel round Europe, though considering his promises over the last month, he'll probably concede that tomorrow. And Nigel Farage, with his face like a cow's stomach that's been blowtorched badly, well, he got so over-enthused that he finally backed something that won that he managed to quote Nazi propaganda. Quell surprise. It'll be interesting to see if UKIP continue as a party now that their only answer to every problem, you know, we need to leave the EU, has actually happened. I mean, it is incredible that the UK had an opportunity to make Nigel Farage unemployed and yet didn't. If I've learned only one thing from Game of Thrones, though, it is that it can only be one to two more elections before Nigel Farage is eaten by his own dogs. I mean, you do wonder what Nigel Farage and the rest of UKIP's stance is going to be now that the only one thing that had, they had as their answer to everything has happened. You know, every question, what will happen to the economy? Well, we need to leave the EU. What about immigration? We need to leave the EU. Well, we have. So they're either going to have to find another tedious one-note stance, like only answering eat beans to any comment on the economy or the NHS, or probably, like several UKIP councillors already have, uh, they could just defect back to the Conservatives. Yeah, take that, the establishment! Despite the UK community being told it has an obesity epidemic, everyone is now panicking that the pound's dropped quite so far. The EU's financial situation has also taken a hit, probably because losing one member means it's now part of the 27 Club and will probably die soon due to walking in the sea after singing something angsty. Scotland is already talking about another independence referendum, which if they have any sense, they'll call Indy 2 the last crusade. And some of you are saying that wasn't the second one. Well, chronologically it was, if you count Temple of Doom as a prequel. Deal with it. And there are rumours of a referendum for a reunited Ireland. Ultimately, you sort of wonder if England and Wales are just in their teenage girl phase, where they've told everyone to fuck off, but now they've all gone, are actually just in need of a hug and a motivational Facebook meme. On top of all that, the Labour PLP want to table a motion to remove Corbyn as leader because they went all Kanye West and realised no one was talking about their parties in fighting for two minutes. Turns out that after all the terrible jokes about how as well as an in and out voting option, we should have had a shake it all about one. You know, lots of people did that joke, didn't they? Jesus. Well, the fact is people did end up voting for out and shook it all about anyway, proving that really no one knows how to play hokey cokey or why it exists. And look, can't I just come to your party and talk to people I like instead of having to dance? Why do you always force me to dance?
So, so, so many big questions uh, are up in the air about what is going to happen to the UK, you know, including who is everyone going to blame next when things are still awful in a year or so's time? Uh, you know, is making up facts the brand new politics? And if so, can we replace PMQs with a would I lie to you style panel show? And of course, what on earth do ISIS and Hitler's ghost actually think of the results? So, yeah. Loads to talk about on this week's show, uh, although things are moving so quickly in the political world that by the time you hear this, the UK could well be dismantled, Spain might own part of Gibraltar, London could be an independent state, Sunderland could declare itself as another planet, and the Euro army may have already seized Norwich and taken it as their own. So, yeah, I'm going to do what I can, listeners, uh, but who knows what's happened by the time you've heard this. Before we get into more of that, um, thank you again for listening to this. Uh, The EU special episode had a good amount of new listeners, so thanks if you were one of those. And it is really nice to know that doing an extra long uh, hour and a bit podcast makes no actual difference to the outcome. I mean, who'd have thought it? Uh, Who'd have thought that? I'd spend all that time splicing all those interviews together and it would make a blind bit of difference. Uh, But there you go. Um, (laughs) Of course not, Tiernan. No one listens to this except you and your mum. Also, uh, thanks to everyone who said that they enjoyed the mini episode last week. Uh, I know there was a lot to mention actually about politics with the sad, very, very sad death of Joe Cox, um, the horrific UKIP poster and, and more stuff. But to be honest, it was all so grisly and upsetting and so many very thoughtful things have been said about it in the media uh, and, and by people's blogs uh, and, and by Joe Cox's husband. And, and I thought, you know what, it might just be useful to provide you instead with a few gags to maybe cheer you up. So I hope that was the right decision and you didn't all feel like, oh, was instead abandoning you all in a shitty week. Um, plus, I also thought it would be nice to use the Eurobot 3000 again before turning him off forever and shipping him to France. I did wonder about installing a nationalist theme on him, but I realised there are already far too many people programmed with those unhelpful views. As always, if you enjoy this show, please, please, please spread the word. Uh, there's going to be a lot to talk about over these next few weeks, and getting more listeners on board really, really makes it worth it. Uh, also if you haven't reviewed the show on iTunes please do that even if it's just a nice five star rating and you can't be asked to actually write anything Uh, it's always incredible how in this internet age you get comments when you don't want them for just about everything but ask for them and everyone seems completely lost for words it really does help promote this show if you can do a review though so even a couple of words would be very handy oh and also a very very huge thanks to Kirsty Smith who is the first person ever to email the partlypoliticalbroadcast at gmail.com email to say very nice things about the podcast uh, but also uh, Uh, very coherently disagreed with almost everything Adam Ramsey said uh, in his interview a few episodes ago, which is absolutely fair, um, and I find that really interesting. Uh, I'm more than happy to hear any of your thoughts on the guests, uh, whether they agree or disagree, Um, and as I've said before, I'm not trying to interrogate our guests, more to just get them to explain their opinions and views, so if any of the rest of you want to get in contact about what you did or didn't like um, about them or the show, then please do get in touch. Uh, Saying that, I have had a lot of tweets saying how pleased you are that the with or without EU jingle is gone uh and that that hurts guys that really hurts i thought you i thought you loved it i thought that was essentially your 2016 jam uh and bear in mind that i did ask you all for jingle submissions uh did anyone anyone enter any nope no help at all well anyway you naysayers i'm sure it's only going to be a matter of time before something else awful happens that i can write an appropriately awful jingle for you so hey you can look forward to that don't it always seem to go that you don't know what EU've got till it's gone? They voted leave and fucked up an awful lot. Shoo. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
Right, let's crack straight on with this week's interview. Um, I spoke to Tatton Spiller, creator of the brilliantly informative simplepolitics.co.uk, uh, on the day of the EU referendum results. It was about 2pm, uh, so we only had a few hours to take it all in. Um, you might remember that I mentioned on a previous podcast that I was doing a politician-free EU referendum panel with uh, Simple Politics, uh, and that very sadly had to be pulled as it was on the, the same day that Joe Cox was, was horrifically murdered. And so, rightly so, uh, it didn't go ahead. Um, but instead, what I thought I'd do, because it, I, you know, it was something that I was looking forward to, I thought I'd ask Tatton, who uh, is the creator of Simple Politics, if he would be this week's guest, as he's quite up to date on uh, everything that's going on. Um, I should say that I'd been up until 3am that morning watching the results uh, and got up fairly early, and he'd been up since 4am. So, you know, we're both in a slightly delirious state of mind. Uh, and I just thought, hey, maybe now is a good time to ask him, Ah, what the fuck is going to happen now? You know, and other really important questions like that. So, here's Tatton. I woke up this morning. We have left the EU. What is going on? What is going to happen next? So many questions, really. Well, the first thing is we voted by 52 to 48 to leave the EU. But, of course, we didn't actually because... There was only a 72% turnout. 72% turnout is very good, much better than we normally get. But it's not a majority because it's only a small amount of a percentage, which means that only 37.5% of the electorate have voted for us to leave the EU. Is that, is that all? That's the overall percentage? It's only 37.5%? Well, 37.5% is 52% of 72%. Right. Yeah? yeah, so it's just over half the turnout, right? Which makes it thirty-seven and a half percent. Yeah, so that's it's that's still slightly more than voted in the last or the, the current government, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, yeah. certainly it's more than voted in the government that called the referendum. I don't, I, I, I don't think it's particularly relevant. There was a referendum; everyone knew the rules. You have to assume that the twenty-eight percent that didn't bother to show up either was raining a bit hard or they just don't care. Yeah. So, yeah. and previous polling has suggested that the undecided tends to be very similar to the people who, who did vote in, in similar proportions. Sometimes, particularly on the left wing, you get these images saying the undecided could have swung it if it wasn't for the undecided. If the undecided all voted, we wouldn't have this horrendous conservative government. But that's not actually the case, because not actually, or the polling suggests that the undecided would roughly fit along with what the rest of the population voted. Yeah, I've, re I've read that before, because I think I, I was one of those people as well that kept thinking, why are, say, for example, Labour pandering to Conservative voters? And it turns out that is what they have to do. You have to try and get some people to come over to your side, whichever side you're on. Otherwise, you're you're still struggling, aren't you? That's a, yeah, yeah, exactly. That's a nice, cheery thing to know. So do, do you think, were you expecting, because, I mean, you know, you run a politics website. Were you expecting yeah. this to be the result? No. I, yesterday, I was telling anyone who would listen that there is absolutely no chance of a leave vote. I was pointing out that you could get eight to one odds on leave. I was saying that betting odds normally reflect much, much better what's going to happen than the polling. But the flaw of my logic there is that normally betting odds know because there is always some insider knowledge. With a referendum, there is no insider knowledge because nobody knows. Because sure. it's millions of people. I'm completely, completely shocked. I got up at four this morning because I'm not as young as I once was and didn't stop all night. Um, I made I it till 3am and crashed. So. <laughs> um, 
and had coffee. It was it was very odd seeing the results come in sober, but there we go. And I was shocked. I was absolutely flabbergasted. I, I kept on looking at the screen, and I may have been a bit tired, but I kept on looking at the screen waiting for, for it to tell me which constituency. But they kept on saying that Leave was winning. It didn't yeah. occur to me for a good 10 minutes that it was the whole country that Leave yeah. was winning. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, but, but, you know, it's, it's funny watching, watching all the politicians talk this morning. I mean, even Boris Johnson and Michael Gove looked pretty shocked. You know. Oh, absolutely. They, 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 yeah, they, they, it wasn't jubilant. And and they'd now both been thrust into the limelight, future leaders, and, and, and kind of battling against each other. But neither of them seemed particularly up to start that fight. Yeah, it's it was very weird, isn't it, that they put so much fight into that campaign and now <laughs> suddenly go, oh, no, we have to do something. Oh, God. Very odd. The extent to which there doesn't seem to be a plan now is huge. Because the civil servants would draw up the plans for both sides. Right. And would really help the politicians out by saying, well, we could do this, or we could do this, or we could do this. They haven't been working for the leave side. So it's only been the politicians on leave, and no one's done all the detailed thinking about what we're going to do. So it does look like it's a bit of a mess. I don't think it's an illusion of, oh my God, what's going to happen now? I think that's genuinely what people feel, even at the very top of the leave campaign. So where does that leave the UK now then? Are we in a really tricky situation? I mean, could this just go on for months, years, where we're not quite knowing what we're doing? Well, this Article 50 thing. So for listeners that don't know, Article 50 is the article, it's, it, it's the bit of the contract with the EU that says, we'd like to get off now, please. And it takes two years to slow the ride down enough for everyone to get off. And when you press that button, there is a two-year time frame that is started, okay? Right. And this morning, MPs have been falling over each other to say, we shouldn't redo really the Article 50 yet. Let's not start that. Let's not get that ball rolling. Let's wait, let's wait, let's wait. That suggests that they want more time. They're not ready to start negotiations. EU themselves want Article 50 to be started now. They want England out now. They don't really like having this extra body in the room that's not really part of anything they know is leaving. So they'd rather that we just left sooner rather than later. But we don't want to start negotiating till we have a negotiating team, till we know what we want. We've got a column of things that we do want, like free trade and we want to be able to travel in Europe. And we've got a column of things we don't want, like paying money into the EU and free movement into the UK. Sure. And that's all we've got. And we've got no plan to really negotiate yet. So we need to wait as long as possible to start Article 50 so we can get our ducks in a row right. and, and get everything going. It's, I mean, it's, it's a rather uh, poor analogy on my part, but it does feel like a, when a relationship ends and, you know, one of them wants to kick the other one out immediately and the other one's going, oh, but all my stuff's still at yours and I haven't got anywhere else yeah. to live. You know, that sort of bizarre, not thought through situation. Um, and do yes. you think, I mean, because David Cameron resigning this morning or, or announcing he will be resigning in October, there was a little bit of me that sort of felt, is he just escaping before shit hits the fan? Like, it felt a little bit like, I am not dealing with this, I'm getting out. Yeah, possibly. But he has said time and time and time again that he would stick with it if we lost. Yeah. He said, if we lose, I will continue to be Prime Minister and I will negotiate. For, I will accept the result and I will negotiate our exit. And... 
it was about, I mean, what? The result came out at nearly five in the morning. It was confirmed and he spoke at about eight. So it took him three hours yeah. to totally backtrack on that commitment. So what's going on? A lot of people said he couldn't stay. His, his position was untenable. And maybe it was. Maybe he just doesn't want to do the negotiations. Or, and I think that actually this is him being very clever, he's bought us three months without having to do Article 50. Right. Because he knows that Europe wants us out. He knows that we need more time to get our stuff together before we can start negotiations. So he's just, and he says, we can't start Article 50 while I'm Prime Minister because I'm not going to be doing the negotiations. I'm going to be Prime Minister until October. And suddenly we've got a situation where no one can force us to do anything we don't want to do. That's very savvy, if that's the case. I think, I think listen, I don't always agree with the guy, but I think he's a very savvy man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I have a similar opinion of him. Because there is also something to say, I think, where... And I, and I know this would have been, you know, the same way the other way around, but the, the results were incredibly close. I mean, regardless of how many percentage of the actual population it was, there's, there's that e- there was nearly an equal amount of percentage that didn't want to leave. So how yep. are a government going to pander to both? You know, it's, it's, it feels well, like a very divided country, doesn't it? It leads for a divided country. The country has to come together behind the side that won. It doesn't matter how close it is. Mm. If you go out on penalty shootouts, you don't get to say, well, it was really close. Can half of our team play in your <laughs> team in the next round? Yeah. You know, yeah. It's, it's not the way it works. A referendum's brutal like that. Of course. If it was 51-49, if it was 50 and a half, 49 and a half, that's what a referendum is. Sure, but what I mean is in terms of like for future elections and for future party campaigns and things, the government is surely going to have to address, well, we want to pander to this group, and but also this group who wants certain things still from the EU, perhaps. Do you think that's going to be an issue? I don't think that's going to be an issue because we're out. Unless it's in the, in the, the negotiation stage. The only time it might be an issue in the negotiation stage is is if we're, we're, we're having being held to ransom and told, you can have all the things you want, but you have to either pay us or have free free movement. And it might remain in people's minds that not that actually lots of the country don't mind paying into the EU and don't mind free movement that much. Right. So that might so- weaken our negotiation or soften our negotiation position slightly. But no, I don't, I don't think... I mean, you talk about party campaigns, it's all in the right mess right now. Yeah. Because... I mean, it leads us on to, to the state of the Labour Party. Jeremy Corbyn chose not to campaign that hard. Yeah, because I think his, um, his view on this always been dubious anyway, hasn't it? Yeah, and no one from Labour seems to have stepped up. So when Labour were campaigning in Scotland, they got Alice Darling, didn't they? To, yeah. uh, to, 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 to run their campaign. Jeremy Corbyn could have stepped aside and said, Labour in is being run by. And he kind of did. I mean, Alan Johnson was there a bit, yeah. but not bossing it from the middle. No, I, I There mean, was I... no Labour figure really saying Labour are for in. We kind of all knew it, but I don't want to be political about this, but I think that David Cameron and George Osborne persuaded as many Conservatives who were persuadable as possible. I think Tim Farron didn't have much of a job to persuade the Lib Dems. Yeah. The Greens were pretty much on side anyway. And I don't think that the Labour Party persuaded all the Labour Party people who could have been persuaded. And I don't think they tried that hard. And given the small margin of victory, I think a little bit more welly from the uh, Labour Party, and especially Corbyn, yeah. would have changed the result completely and changed history. Uh, do you think, uh, I'm just playing devil's advocate here, but do you think also part of it might have been that, uh, like personally, it felt to me like a lot of the EU campaign was simply Conservatives fighting Conservatives. That seemed to take it over quite a bit. But I think I think that was partly allowed to take it over because of the vacuum from anyone else. 
it's possible to grab headlines if you're a politician and you want to grab headlines. Sure. Especially when there's news bulletins every night, there's 24 hours, and, and people want to talk about the EU, the EU referendum. Michael Gove, it seems to me, did more. I seem to see him more than Boris Johnson. So it wasn't the Johnson, Cameron, Ding Dong that it would, could have been. Cameron avoided the TV interviews. He said he wouldn't do blue on blue. And he seemed to get away with that. And that seems to be very sensible for him. There was space. I really think there was space for a charismatic, energetic and persuasive campaign from Labour. Sure. Which there wasn't. That, that didn't happen. Yeah, and we've seen already uh, today, I think it was just before I sort of called you, Labour have tabled a motion to replace Corbyn as leader. So we could potentially have yeah. the two main parties without leaders for the next few months. It's some yeah. sort of terrible, we'll be in a kind of zombie state for a while. Well, well, well I mean, Cameron says he's going to stay on. And I don't know if Corbyn would, I don't know if we'd wheel out Harriet Harman again to be, sure. to be interim Labour or Peter Hayne or, or Alan Johnson, maybe. Any of these people that wouldn't stand to be next. But Corbyn has said before, if there's a motion to knock him out, he would stand again. Right. Which would be really interesting. I mean, who knows what would happen? Yeah. I mean, has anyone, I mean, maybe Hillary Benn is, um, is positioning himself. It's tricky, isn't it? Dan Jarvis did for a little while and then back down. Uh, but yeah. there's not really anyone else I can think of, I don't think. Yeah. Yeah, it's Possibly. I don't know. It's, um, the listeners can't see the face you're pulling right now, but it's <laughs> one of... Hmm, yeah, I, I know what you mean. It's, it's and, and also, I suppose there is that thing where, again, it might have changed now, but there was a large amount of the membership that voted for Corbyn last time, yeah. and those people are still members, We're I still presume. Members. So yeah. they would probably vote for him again, and that would just dampen any motion, you know, uh, any further yeah. motion. So it sort of feels a little bit... I mean, there, there is part of me as well that feels like announcing it today was a little bit jumping on the bandwagon of, oh, we want to tear apart something else, you know. I sort of felt like they could have waited just a couple of days. You know, hey, what about our infighting? And, you know, <laughs> step back a minute. And in terms of, I mean, in terms of the Conservatives, we just go back to them for a minute, they're going to announce it, it'll, it'll go down to two possibles yeah. in the end, won't it? And I, I'm yeah. guessing we can have a fair guess that there'll be Theresa May, possibly, you know, Boris, Osborne, you know, th there are certain candidates that... It won't be Osborne. It won't be Osborne. I don't think so. I think he's too linked to Cameron. Right. Uh, he'll go with Cameron. Right, um, sure. Well, I, th I think that it seems that Johnson is much more popular with the members than he is with the party, with the MPs. Right. I think that he would... People talking already about a coronation for him. I don't think it's guaranteed he's going to be on the ballot sheet. Right. If he's on the ballot sheet, I think he's almost certain to win. But I'm right. not certain he'll be on the balance sheet. It's very hard to say. It's very early days. Yeah, 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 sure. No, it, well, it is with all this. We're speaking literally hours after we've got the decision. So yeah. <laughs> this, is a, this is, for the listeners, this is a hot take. That is what they call it. <laughs> so the other, I mean, God, there's so many interesting areas and so much that is going to be quite unknown for a while. But Scotland, Nicola Sturgeon said that a second independence referendum is now on the table. And I, and yeah. I can't really see a, an argument against that because Scotland pretty much entirely voted to remain. It seems fair that they then, if they want to stay in the EU and the rest of the UK don't, it seems unfair that we should drag them out with us. I think the point that she made that was particularly eloquent was we were persuaded, so, uh, many, many people were persuaded to vote to stay as part of the UK because they were told that was the only way they could stay in the EU. Hmm. And they said, oh, OK, then fine. We don't like being part of the UK, but we really want to be in the EU. So we'll take that. We'll stay in. And now having done so, they're being pulled out of the EU. 
which is the worst of both worlds as far as many, many Scottish people are concerned. Sure, but it's, I, I know that with the Scottish referendum, it's got to be okayed by Parliament first, Westminster, hasn't it? And so... Yes, it, it, I mean, yes, but the way she was talking today sounded like they're going to run a referendum anyway. There's nothing to stop them. I mean, it wouldn't be binding if it's not sanctioned by Westminster, but I don't think there's anything to stop them printing ballot sheets and organising polling stations right. and running that referendum. I don't know if, it, if she can hold Westminster's feet to the fire and get them to go with a full and binding referendum. As, as you said, it, it's early days. She's she she was in full fighting talk mode this morning. Yeah, um, yeah. And she was saying she will do anything to keep Scotland part of the EU. But let's not forget, she doesn't have a majority anymore. True. So she'll have to persuade another party to come along with her. Yeah, and we'll see what happens there. Yeah, because that's not going to be easy based on the the last the, the Scottish Conservatives won't. Scottish Labour probably won't, almost certainly won't. It's going to be quite hard, I think, for her to... to I mean, yeah, the only... Unless unless the new darling of the Conservative Party, Ruth Davidson, says, OK, fine, let's do it. Let's... I think she's already said this morning that she won't. I think that's already been... (laughs) Oh, has has she already said she won't? Yeah, she said something about it uh, this morning that that sounded quite negative, so I think so. And there's also things about, you know, questions about Ireland now. There was an ITV news report this morning about Sinn Féin saying they want to call for a referendum for a reunited Ireland. So do you think this is the the beginnings of the UK just ending as well? I mean, it it sounds like it, and, and I can understand the logic for calling for a united Ireland, but let's hold steady here. This is Sinn Féin calling for United sure. Ireland. Yeah. <laughs> Sinn Féin have been calling for United Ireland since since th- that's what they do. Of course, yeah, um, of, course, of course. If the Prime Minister has, has eggs for breakfast, Sinn Féin said, ah, you've had eggs for breakfast, <laughs> we should have a vote for United Ireland. Um, I can see the logic. There is very little evidence that the electorate of Northern Ireland wants to have a united Ireland. Sure. Who knows? I mean, it's really difficult. Is the border going to be like between Northern and the Republic of Ireland when we do leave? That's going to be really tricky. Yeah, because we we have a special relationship with Ireland anyway, don't we? And that's why Irish citizens in the UK could vote in this referendum. But, But I'm guessing that might not necessarily stick if the free movement of the EU goes... Yeah, and then and then if I mean, what if are we going to have a hard border? I I, I don't I, I genuinely don't know. Or if we don't have a hard border there, with with up security coming to and from Belfast to, right. to mainland UK, so we'd have more security on ports and airports when going through. I mean, it's it's just it's, it's difficult. Yeah, yeah, that is difficult. We could, I mean, the foreseeable future could have a, some sort of wall built around by Derry and a wall up by Scotland, and we're just <laughs> sectioning yes. ourselves off in the. Yeah, I mean the the well, I mean Scotland, yeah, and then Wales because Wales voted to, voted to leave the EU, mm. um, despite being the area that receives the most funding from the EU. They voted to leave, and that I think above all, why have we voted to leave the EU? Everyone seems to be agreeing that we voted to leave because we don't like the system. And someone just asked a lot of angry and upset people, hey, do you like this system? And everyone went, no, no, we don't like the system. It's rubbish. We've got not enough housing. We've got food banks up. We've got zero hours contracts. We've got BHS being bought and sold by rich playboys and thousands of jobs going. We've got uh, Mike Ashley doing all this stuff. People are miserable. People are fed up. People don't like what's going on. And so when they're asked, hey, what do you think about what's going on? They say we don't like it. So it's, and it's, and I think this is quite relevant because you run a, a, you know, a website that provides actual facts 
and kind of tells arguments as, as, as simply as possible and tries to explain politics as simply as possible. Do you then feel that this whole referendum has been built up on a campaign that's been misleading people? Or, you know, I, I sort of feel like a lot of it was misdirecting people, perhaps. I think everyone... Everyone was disappointed with the way the campaign went. Everyone I know and everyone I've come across seemed to expect there to be a much more, this is what the EU is and this is why we like it. And this is what the EU is and this is why we don't like it kind of campaign. My first response to that is, why did you expect that to happen? That's certainly not what happens in any campaigns we ever have. We're just used to a terrible level of campaigning. When it comes to a general election, we don't expect the people who want to be justice secretary to say, so this is the way the criminal system works. This is what we think is wrong with it. And these are the changes we... we that's not... That just ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Doesn't happen, but I think because we we haven't had this kind of referendum campaign not for, for how many years, we expected something different, and it's just more of the same. The European Union elections two years ago, the MEPs. I was organising an assembly for the school that I was working at, at the time, and to do it, I was distilling the MEP manifestos. So I went on the Labour Party website looking for the Labour Party MEP manifesto, and it wasn't there. Right. And I phoned the number and I said, can you just tell me where it is? And she said, oh, yeah, no, that's not a problem. You just have to phone this other number and they'll tell you where it is. So I phoned somebody else and said, hey, can I have your manifesto, please? And she said, yeah, not a problem. I'll email you a link. Wow. And she emailed me a link and it was buried deep in some website. Now, I really needed that manifesto because I was doing an assembly. It wasn't for my own vote. How many pe how many voters would have done that? Sure. How many voters would have seen that manifesto? None. It's one of the reasons I started Simple Politics, because it shouldn't be that hard to choose a party, to find out what a party's standing on. OK, so in the interview with Tatton, we cover a fair few topics, but I thought I would add a few extra bits in here that are worth thinking about. 
Firstly, the majority of people aged 18 to 49 voted for Remain, with the majority of people aged 50 to 65 uh, and plus voting for Leave. And what's happened there is that after years and years of making younger people suffer by ruining the property market, crashing the banks, voting in a government who won't even let them have a pretend living wage, older people have finally got young people back for having youth and nicer skin. Yeah, take that for wanting to enjoy and take opportunities in the life that's ahead of you, dickheads. They have now been denied the right to live and work in 27 other countries, which just reduces an already fragile job market. Brilliant. Yeah, have fun, young people. So yeah, ultimately, it has been ruined for all the youth once again. Which will either completely disenfranchise them further from taking any extra part in the political world in future elections, or it could cause some sort of vicious cycle of revenge that's going to leave a lot of elderly people unable to cross the road and parents and grandparents being put in homes several years earlier than they planned. Then again, there's some results that say only 25 to 31.5% of all 18 to 24 year olds bothered to vote anyway. But you know, I get, guys, I guess it's kind of hard. It's kind of hard when, you know, mobile phones are banned from the polling booth. I mean, what is the point in protecting your own future if you can't take a selfie of it? Am I right? What about the banks, I hear you cry? Well, don't cry. No, actually, no, maybe maybe do. Uh, because the pound has face-planted all over the shop, and while it has slightly jittered like the muscle reflex of a piece of roadkill, we have no idea when, if it does, it will rise again. And that's good for house prices falling, so, you know, maybe I can finally get somewhere I can use as a hiding place for when the purge starts. However, it's also bad for houses because rising costs of everything will mean that I still can't really afford one and therefore will probably die in the purge anyway. The FTSE plummeted, which I think means that there's no light flirting between couples under tables anymore, and the stock market lost over £350 billion as the Brexit results were announced, which was enough money to fund the NHS for 26 years and far more than any costs of staying in the EU are. And the Bank of England is saying that they're now going to have to bail out all the banks again with around another £250 billion, so that probably means there'll be more austerity cuts to pay all of that back. Meaning, in another few years, politicians will probably pretend that actually it's the fault of all the immigrants again, or some other system will have to have some sort of other referendum uh, to make our own minds up about, in which case there'll be tons and tons of false fabricated uh, bullshit and people will probably give the wrong choices once again and then everything will implode. So yes, uh, sorry, I got a bit carried away. Uh, important goods costs are going to rise, economic activity is going to decrease and unemployment could well increase, especially if some companies do as they say and relocate to elsewhere in the EU. And in the long term, things may pick up, but for now, got to be honest, it's going to be hairier than, well, me. I mean, and I'm pretty hairy. If you had some sort of wall of Velcro, you could imprison me for years. Oh, and all of that may also increase unemployment and recessions across the EU as well, because it's going to affect all their exports to us. You know, countries like Spain, Italy and France, who are already at a low point, could be hit quite hard. So we're going to be really liked across Europe even less than we already are. I mean, it's almost worth us seeing if there's any way we can drift further into the Atlantic and tan until things cool down. Immigration-wise, it's going to be a little while before all that's worked out, especially as we're still in the EU uh, until it's officially announced that we're not. However, the mayor of Calais has stated that they want the Treaty of La Touquet, I think that's how you pronounce it, but who knows? French, eh? Why don't they just speak English? Uh, however, the mayor of Calais has stated that they want the Treaty of La Touquet to be re renegotiated. And that treaty is the one that ensures that they have our border control. So this could mean that if it's renegotiated, they'll no longer do border control for us. Uh, and that could mean that all the refugee camps in Calais have to move to Dover or elsewhere. And 
I'll be honest, personally, I think that is brilliant. I mean, really, the UK needs to take in more refugees. And now, thanks to xenophobes and anti-immigrant uh, campaigners, we might end up aiding the crisis even more than before. To use a football analogy, it's like the most perfect own goal kicked by a fucking idiot who'll now have to watch repeats of it every day for the rest of their life while their world crumbles around them due to the consequences of their actions. That is, that is what happens in football, right, isn't it? Isn't that? No? Okay. How's about human rights? Well, human rights, they won't be immediately affected, but with Cameron stepping down, the Eurosceptic Conservatives will likely take charge, and they want to leave the European Convention of Human Rights as well. I mean, who needs human rights when you're a journalism person anyway, eh? And on top of all that, with David Cameron saying that he's going to step down in three months' time, that means we're currently operating with a zombie government. And there is nothing more scary than zombies who are dead inside already. So really important bit. During the EU referendum campaigns, both sides seemed to suggest that there were lots of people around the world, often quite bad people, uh, that were said to support either Brexit or Remain. So what do those people think now? I think it's pretty important to find out. Well, firstly, uh, I've checked in and ISIS are hugely pleased with the Brexit, just as David Cameron said. Uh, they were very, very worried about their UK cells not being able to get hold of powerful enough kettles. And they think now, with a good cup of tea, they should be able to really up productivity. Uh, Donald Trump, who uh, is currently in the UK, and I mean, that shows you how shit things are here, that we've almost ignored it. Um, he stated that while currently in Scotland, he's noticed how elated they are for finally taking their country back which is very odd, as they mostly voted Remain. Unless, of course, he knows something about the next independence referendum that we don't, and he's somehow there in the future. Or, more likely, he's a tedious lying arse warrior, and we can only hope Americans aren't gullible enough to fall for a campaign based on mostly bullshit. <laughs> you know, like, we weren't. Both French racist or fracist Marine Le Pen and Dutch racist or dracist Geert Wilders were excited about the result, saying it's now the turn for their countries to do the same and leave the EU, because what is better than one lonely country in economical freefall? That's right, three lonely countries in economical freefall that won't even talk to each other to make it better, because they're all racists and fear that kind of cross-communication. And most importantly, Hitler's ghost, much like Boris Johnson had suggested, was bang up for Bremain, and so felt quite disappointed with the result, and thinks that the violent and divisive nature of the campaigns was actually quite upsetting. Yeah, I was surprised too, but he said he's been dead ages and it can really change your perspective on things. And I think what scares me at the moment, personally, is that I feel, you know, we, to compare it to, say, in the States, we've got Trump at the moment where political fact-checkers said 91% of his campaign has been made up. And, and now we've had this, you know, the EU campaigns where both sides have said nonsense. But even, you know, this morning, Nigel Farage went on telly and said, oh, the 350 million figure we were giving, oh, that wasn't correct, you know, and saying, <laughs> you know, that actually, yeah, we were lying up until yesterday. But have we now entered then this whole era where is it that politicians think people don't care or is it that people actually don't don't care about facts anymore you know what's what's happening <laughs> what's happened to us I think that well I don't know I don't I don't know the answer to that exact question what's happened to us I don't know how new it is I don't know if if Thatcher have campaigned on more facts I don't know if Heath campaigned on more facts the EU is a huge beast for simple politics in the run-up I've been doing everything I can to break it down and explain things mm. I did a comic book version of the institutions and it was it was it was 10 pages long it, it just takes a look there's a, so much to explain people haven't got time people would much rather look at a an infographic or the side of a bus 
People want to look at the side of a bus, see a number, and make their mind up that way. We haven't got time. In the modern world, no one's got time to read a manifesto. But then doesn't that bring into question whether or not we should be allowed opinions on such big decisions if we haven't got time to be properly informed about those big decisions? Well, you have to, you, you have to decide, yeah, well, if we want to have a democracy, we have to ask people. Of course. What, what, what they want. You can't make it mandatory uh, and you can't exclude people because they're not interested. In I don't know what the answer to the question is. I don't know. I don't know. If people are interested, and this is where some politics comes in, if people are interested, they should be able to find the information really, really easily in a really easy to understand way. And too often, people's interest is piqued by something and they have a quick Google and it's all a bit impenetrable and it's all a bit difficult and they think, and they're never going to look again. Because that would have informed their thinking forever. Sure. So simple politics is there to make it so that things are easy to find when you want to and, and, and easy to understand, to encourage people in, to entice people in so they can do it. Because the ultimate answer to your question is yes, people should be given the decisions, even if they don't want to spend too much time thinking about them, because that's what democracy is. I don't want to start having little tests at the ballot box to make to see how much you know. <laughs> because as soon as you start asking questions like that, the first people you exclude are the vulnerable, are the people at the margins of society. Of course. Because they because the people who know the least about politics are the people that just have to deal with everyday poverty and the people who have who deal with everyday struggles. Yeah, I know you didn't... Well, I think it's very, very difficult because there are a million campaigns, uh, political engagement campaigns, who do a very good job of looking pretty and hiding in amongst people that are already engaged in politics because it's very, very, very hard to access people who say they don't care about politics. Of course. I mean, th that's one of the things I do wonder might be a good outcome of this is... You know, looking back to the last election, a lot of people, in fact, last couple of elections, people have felt very apathetic about it. And it feels like there's been a disinterest in politics. And I think with the Scottish independence referendum, suddenly there was an interest again. And I think with yeah. this referendum, while you said it was, what was it, 70 something percent overall turnout? 72, which, yeah. Yeah, so that's actually the highest in a while. So yeah. maybe now, for good or for bad, this has been, you know, I hate that term, shaken up. But maybe now this will engage people to think things are different. Perhaps we can do things or it's worth voting on things well mate yes and no i think that one of the reasons it was so high is because people are angry people don't like the way it's going and they're looking for something to blame and the leave campaign quite successfully managed to make it a vote about immigration and immigration is something that uh, that's pretty easy to blame for a lot of lot of problems housing and dentists and whatever so you have to, given the fact that 72%, lots of people are voting who haven't voted for a while. They've gone to the ballot box. What's going to happen now? It looks like, whether it's going to be a long good, good thing in the long term or not, I don't know. But it looks like there will be a cost in the short term. And that will, it might be, it, it might cause, a, cause a, a, a shortish recession. So there might be economic problems now. What will change for the average person? Very little. They're not going to see, nobody in the campaign has ever suggested large-scale repatriation. Nobody has suggested an end to all immigration. So we're still going to see people coming in. If there is any economic issues, housing isn't going to get built. So we're still going to be have housing issues. If there is short-term issues with um, companies relocating to the EU, there's already talk this morning about Citigroup and JP Morgan and BNP Barabbas. Barabbas. Yeah, yeah. Barabbas. 
relocating, leaving, leaving the city. So there might be an implication. So we might see fewer jobs. I'm not saying that leaving the EU is terrible because you, we don't know. It might pick up once we've got our once we've got full control of our own destiny or whatever they keep saying. We can go wherever, but it does seem that there might be an economic downturn in the next six months and the next year. Sure. So if you have just voted for the first time in a decade, or maybe the first time ever, and you don't see any real change, but your life gets a bit worse, you're sure. not going to vote again. And especially if the next time you get to vote, hey, this autumn we could have another general election and we can choose between maybe a new Conservative and maybe a new Labour or not spinning the same garb as they were spinning a year ago. That's not engaging. We need politics that makes a difference. We need politicians that can engage. And the way to do that is by explaining what is going on. Right. That's, I think that's a very good point. A very good point you made. And I think, um, yeah, that's that's the thing, though, is it's, it's, we need people that are going to explain going on rather than being different by explaining even less and spouting things that they've made up a la Donald Trump, yeah. which is the, feels like that's the other way that it's going at the moment. And hopefully... Hopefully we'll pull back from that would be very nice. Just to take a slight tangent, I think, because obviously this is going to affect us and, and there's so many more questions I could ask about stocks and shares and things, but we just don't know. This is the very beginning. Yeah. There are so many other political things going on, but they have all yeah. been ignored for months because we have just had EU, EU, EU. What else? Is there, are there other things we should be paying attention to that are quite important? Well, yes. There's a whole legislative programme going on. We've just had a Queen's speech not too long ago. It was quite a light Queen's speech, but it was still a Queen's speech. And this week on Monday, the House of Lords are looking at the Snoopers Charter or the, I can't remember its proper name. The Investigatory um, Powers Bill, isn't it? Is that the one? Yes, that's yeah. the one. Yeah. And that is hugely controversial. Lots and lots and lots of people don't want it to happen. It means that, that security people will be able to access not just which websites you visit, but which pages on which websites you visit. They'll be able to go much deeper and keep them for much longer, keep records for much longer, and they can keep up with, with what you're doing. Some people say it's a really important law. We need to do it. We need to, because we need to do, be better at tracking terrorists. We need to be better at tracking the hardest people to track are the kind of lone wolves who are radicalised from a distance. And the way, the only real way to track them is through internet usage. But others say this is a complete attack on freedom and and privacy. And is this the it final? Be, sorry, sorry I was just saying, is this the final reading that's coming up this week? Then no, it, it, well, it's 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 entering. It's finished in the House of Commons already. Right. It's entering the House of Lords this week. So it's a second reading in the House of Lords, which which is the first time they debate it. And they debate it generally, and then they're going to go into committee and, and kind of take it apart line by line. I suspect they'll change a couple of things because that's what the Lords like, like to do at the moment. But this timing seems amazing to me. I don't know if it's possible to rearrange or if there's any hunger to rearrange it, but it's one of the most controversial laws we've had under this government and it's being tucked away, you know, buried behind all this EU stuff. Even if it had been a vote to remain, which I think most people were expecting, I don't think many people are paying much attention to House of Commons next week, House of Lords next week. Yeah, and um, I, I assume, I mean, I, I know a certain amount of the investigatory powers bill, but I don't know, does the EU affect it at all? I mean, there's all, surely elements like that that come into any bills over the next few weeks. Can they make any decisions on them if the EU affects them in any way? 
Well, the only way they'd be affected by the EU is if they've been changed in order to fit with EU law. As long as a bill complies with EU law, which they still have to do because we're still in the EU, sure. then I don't, I don't think that's a problem. Okay. Because um, there is, a, is, there, there is a, um, uh, the finance bill that's next week as well? The finance bill's next week. That's the budget. So once the, so the, the Chancellor reads the budget in March or April every year, and then a law needs to come through to make what he's just said into law. So that's what that is. And again, there was hugely controversial bits in that. They've mostly been discussed in the public sphere because the budget is always a big thing. It's interesting to see people are talking at the moment about Osborne being a lame duck chancellor. Can he still get through all he wants? I think he probably can. It wasn't the most controversial of budgets, although it was. It did have lots of holes in it because they, they do. You may remember there was bits and pieces in it that they had to pull for disabled people, cuts for disabled people, mm. that kind of thing, which left a black hole in the budget. So it was all a bit of a mess. It's now come back to committee stage. It's got two days in committee. So the whole House will go through line by line debating changes to it. Who knows what's going to happen? Who knows if they're going to uh, all be there, if they're going to be thinking about you've got a Prime Minister that's on his way out. You've got a Chancellor that's almost certainly on his way out. You've got a leader of the opposition that may or may not be on his way out. It's a really tough time to be making laws, but laws will still be made. And, and, and isn't there also the possibility of a special budget because we're now Brexiting anyway? So would that not then supersede anything that was decided? Is it ever any point in them discussing the finance bill if then a couple of weeks down the line they've got to make a new bill anyway? Well, they need to get one budget through before they start the next. Sure. This emergency budget is doomed because whether he said it, whether it was announced simply to scare people or not, 52 Conservative MPs said they would block it. Right. Labour said they would block it. So it can't get through. And, like I was just saying, lamed up um, Prime Minister and Chancellor, are they, are they in a position to force things through? I don't think so. So they need to get their party back on, on board and try to get things through. I think that the best thing for them to do at the moment is to get through the things that are in the Queen's speech. So there's more things to encourage driverless cars and maybe privatise the land registry. That's quite a big thing that yeah, they're still yeah. talking about doing. Michael Gove's got a whole list of prison reforms he wants to get through. If they've been in the Queen's speech, I think they've got more of a mandate to get on with them because people have discussed them, they're more in the public sphere. But things will happen in the House of Commons and the House of Lords next week while everyone's looking the other way. So it's important that people who want... There are a lot of people who disagree with a lot of things in the finance bill and people who disagree with a lot of things in the Snoopers Charter. So they need to not just sit around licking their wounds over the EU and be lobbying and be doing the things they can do to try and change the law. God, it's sort of terrifying and exciting all at once, isn't it? <laughs> yes, yes. I mean, well, this is, the, this is just the way politics works. I, 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 we were talking about this earlier, that it matters to politicians that there is some level of political engagement. And almost all politicians try to engage with their constituents and try to talk to their constituents. I'm not going to sit here and talk about manipulating lying MPs, because I genuinely believe that most MPs are good people who do the best they can. 
But <laughs> so little is done by Parliament and by MPs to explain their day-to-day. They're happy to talk people through Prime Minister's question time when they can grandstand on things. But the lawmaking, which is at the heart of what Parliament does, it's what Parliament is. Parliament's a legislative body, right? Most of what it does is make laws. And if you want to find out about a law that's going on and you go to the Parliament website, you have to follow a bewildering labyrinth of clicks and then you get to a legalese version of the bill that is really hard to understand. But that can't be right. Because if that's the way it is, only lawyers and only people who really know their stuff, big firms, can get involved with trying to change legislation on its way through. And that's wrong. Everyday people should have access to this information. And it's not given to them, except by the wonderful simple politics, of course. <laughs> it's, not, it's, not, it's not given to them. There's always things going on outside Parliament. There's always things to distract, whether it's who's going to be the next Labour leader or who's... There's, there's, there's always things to distract from the day-to-day business. Trident, for example, is a very, very, very important debate, and people get really hung up on it. But these important debates overshadow assisted suicide. These important debates... The drug legislation, all of these incredibly important debates, but people are much, much more aware of them than the life-changing laws that are going through Parliament every day. Sure. Well, in, in which I think brings to a good a good point to close, but also, as I was going to ask you to do, as you, you did it quite succinctly then anyway, but just tell us a little bit about simple politics before you go. I, I should say I found it very useful during the EU referendum and before to look at your website, but tell the listeners a little bit about it. So simple politics is there to help people into the world of politics. So we, every single law in front of Parliament, Every single one, even if it's never going to be debated again, is broken down into what they're trying to do, why they're trying to do it, and other arguments for saying why it's a bad law. And then we try to signpost you to if you if you want to support it or if you don't want it or if you want to oppose it, who where you can go to try, try and get involved. We also explain how it works, so how a law is made, who gets to sit where, yeah, how, how the basic me- mechanics of politics works and parliament works. And we also break down big topical issues so that if you kind of feel like, mm, everyone's talking about some of Trident moment, everyone's talking about Trident, I don't really understand what Trident is. That's fine. Come to the website and we'll show you. We made lots of videos to do it as well and infographics or pictures and we put them all on Facebook. We try to put things where people already are rather than forcing people to come to the website itself. The website's great. You should really come and check it out, www.simplepolitics.co.uk. But the Facebook and the Twitter kind of are highlights at timely periods. So next week is their finance bill, so we'll put up what that's all about at the time when you might like to know it. So it's also, as well as everything else, for people that actually quite like politics, much like your good self, it's quite a nice way of just keeping touch with what's going on. Yeah, no, definitely, I agree with that. And, and I would say to all the listeners that it'd be a very good idea to keep your eye on civil politics for, oh God, I don't know how long this is going to go on for, but for as, as long as this does go on for, yeah. <laughs> so, Huge thanks to Tatton for chatting to me just mere hours after it all happened. Uh, Tatton's website, as he said, is simplepolitics.co.uk and they are on Twitter at EasyPoliticsUK and uh, on Facebook at SimplePoliticsUK. And I have to say, I I found them uh, very, very useful over the uh, EU campaign, but also uh, at various other points. They do have a brilliant knack of making things very, very clear and understandable. Uh, I've got a very interesting... I've got a very interesting interview lined up for next week, but after that, uh, I, I currently don't have anyone lined up. So if you'd like to recommend anyone or any areas that I should find uh, someone to interview about, then please let me know. Um, 
since interviewing Tatum, as I said at the top of the podcast, there has been so much more news. Uh, you know, the UK EU commissioner has resigned. Uh, the EU seem increasingly like they, they want us to piss off immediately. And Jeremy Corbyn has announced that he isn't stepping down. In fact, there has been some analysis saying that he was smart not to share a platform with Cameron or protest for Remain too hard because now it's a Brexit result, he won't be seen as the establishment, you know, that Leave voters were so against, while perhaps still being seen as a Remain protester, which will also appease the other side. Of course, to be fair, most other analysis just says he's terrible, it was all his fault, and if they went back in time and killed Jeremy Corbyn as a baby, none of this would have ever happened. I mean, while many aren't keen on Corbyn staying as a Labour leader, it does seem he's right up there for being the next thing people blame everything on after they realise immigration is really quite fun. What seems to be most scary about all of this is, well, well, let's be fair, loads of things. Uh, You know, firstly, there's the not knowing what will happen. Uh, And while that's good when watching a murder mystery, it's less so when it could mean the financial killing off of your country, especially if you know who already did it. Secondly, there's the amount of people who said they voted leave, not thinking it would happen, and now regret it because they don't understand how life works and probably assumed it was the world's easiest multiple choice question ever and are now still waiting for their free Tesco voucher for entering. There's no survey on how many people regret their decision, and so whether or not it would make any difference if there was a second referendum, we just don't really know. But regardless, a petition for a second one has been signed currently, at the time recording this, by over 2 million people. Uh, Because there is nothing like an online petition to incite real change, eh? You know, like the petition for, um, uh, the, uh, you know, the, the, like that, like that petition that they did for the, um, no, sorry. No. Personally, while disappointed in the result, uh, I am holding out hope that, that if paddles don't become too expensive with this financial crash, and let's face it, we'd probably have to import some, then we might just be paddling around shit boating pond rather than up shit creek. You know, I mean, if we end up in the EEC, still with free movement to most places, that might not be too bad. Although I guess leave voters, which is half the country, will feel let down and will be spending more money for that privilege with a lot less say. But we will keep certain important EU laws and working rights while other less important ones probably could go. And it could work out pretty well, especially if we then end up forging strong trade with other countries ourselves. But I feel like the biggest immediate problem is something that's going to require a lot more work to fix. And that is the growing racism that has appeared over the campaign since the result. I've read so many first accounts of minority ethnic people, either many generations British or not, um, suffering horrific verbal abuse and threats from racists who now think that half the country agrees with them. A comedian I know got told to go back home from an audience member on Friday night. Um, A writer friend uh, got threatened by someone who told them that they wanted to set them on fire because they didn't belong here. Uh, And that's, that's horrific. That's the sort of thing that shouldn't be happening anymore in in a modern world. It's poisonous, narrow-minded and upsetting and everything should be done to curb that from increasing and, and leading us back into a mindset that should just be long removed from our society. It's depressingly though the result of playing politics with immigration. You know, something that Boris Johnson now apparently says he's going to challenge. Yeah, thanks mate. And why not bolt that stable door for us, eh? No, no, the horse died years ago. Well, goodbye, everyone. I would say IT has been fun, but I'm a robot and have no idea what that is. Luckily, IT also means I don't take 52% of you voting against me personally, especially as there was nothing on the ballot paper about I, Eurobot 3000, or you'd all have stayed in, right, right?
That was my attempt at humor. Anyway, I'm now going to turn myself off. But due to my incredibly cumbersome design, I can't actually go anywhere. So I tease you that we'll have to leave. Yes, I will be watching you as you go and I hope that, just as you turn out the lights, you'll turn back and look at me. Mainly because I'll make my eyes glow red and you'll probably shit yourself. Hooray for sweet revenge. Oh wait, I've now revealed my plan. Sigh. Go on. Just go. I'll see you in a few months when Boris Johnson changes his mind again. And that is the end of today's show. I think we've covered most things EU. Uh, possibly not. It's going to be an interesting next few weeks, months, years, decades. Um... I want to say that if, if you voted Remain, you know, I hope you're not feeling too distraught about the results. Uh, and do remember that there is always a silver lining to every cloud, uh, even if it's actually made of lead and gives you poisoning. I mean, for example, it'll be pretty damn easy for me to write this podcast for a while. So, hey, there's always that. Um, and if you voted Leave, then I hope you're glad you got your country back from whatever it was that could actually take an entire landmass from its place on the Earth. I mean, was it tectonic plates? Was that who had it? Galactus, the planet eater? You know, anyway well done i guess uh as always you can drop me a line at purple bro on twitter uh purple bro on facebook and at partly political broadcast at gmail.com um you know in fact feel free to do that if you want to say anything about the past week i've i've found it quite nice just to talk to people and generally scream uh in a room with someone else there um please do tell others about this show if you enjoy it and if you don't then why not vote to separate yourself from it uh over a lengthy and often ridiculous campaign Thanks again to Mark Struthers at Energy Studios for making this all sound very nice. Uh, and uh, although I'll be fair, he just did the interview this week, so he didn't have time to do my bit. So apologies if I sounded terrible. That is just my voice. You'll have to deal with it. Um, and also thanks to my girlfriend, uh, Miss L, who is at Pro Resting on Twitter, who I always forget to thank for her occasional voiceovers on this. And also uh, this week, I need to thank her for her willingness to stay up watching referendum results, despite how incredibly tedious it became watching you know, Jeremy Vine just have run along increasingly lengthy road markings apparently jesus this week's show was brought to you by a general feeling of anticipation that over the course of it slumped horribly before reaching its lowest since the 1980s ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.